The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. Hello, I welcome the to power, the Port Adelaide power. preview podcast for round 12 against the Essendon Bombers, the match we play on Saturday night, Adelaide Oval. We're playing on the weekends again. Isn't that wonderful after a couple of Thursdays in the Shanghai trip? Um, I'm Portia. Joining me, as is typically the case, is Maka. Maka, how are you? Good, good. And yourself? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I've been um, reading a really interesting article on hyperallergic, um, which is a, a, a Nazi thing about how the belief that the Greeks used white marble without painting it keys into a whole bunch of white supremacist stuff, um, and that's okay. wrong. So that was really interesting. Anyway, sorry, that was quite boring. I'll Both talk Greeks, about though. that. Yeah, those Greeks. Well, actually, that's the thing. It wasn't those Greeks. It was everyone else reading those Greeks yeah. um, on the basis of the marble rather than the paint. But there you there go. You go. Um, so we'll yeah. the Bombers. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I don't know. You have to think that there'll be something on the line with uh, Paddy Ryder this week in his career best form against his old club. That might be a interesting result, particularly with um, Bell Chambers as the main ruck. Um, he's probably the second choice, I'd say, behind Leuenberger, so... I've got to say, yeah. this is the biggest must-win game we've had this year, I reckon. You really think so? Yep. Absolutely. Why? What's what's your rationale? Because we are better than Essendon. We've got a better team than Essendon. But, oh, I've just, I don't know. I don't mind Essendon. I think they've been playing okay um, in sort of bits and pieces. And I'm afraid they're going to put it all together this week. And this is going to be one of those games where we're going to know in the first five minutes that we're not switched on. Well, it's one of those little things, isn't it, in that we normally play a couple of games at Etihad a year, and this is our first time to Melbourne uh, and first time to Etihad Stadium in the home and away season this year, yeah. which is uh, we've seen how our game plan holds up when there's a wind factor. Mm. <laughs> Maybe it's less effective on in, indoors. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Interesting. And, you know, with the way that uh, the AFL is going as well, with um, I think ownership of Docklands going to the AFL next year, um, yeah. they're going to be playing as many Port Adelaide Melbourne games at Docklands as possible, so we need to have a game plan that can hold up there. So it would be interesting for that reason, I agree. That's it. Fair enough. Mm. All right, hot topic this week. It's just something I saw on AFL website, afl.com.au's mid-season all-Australian team with only one Port player, and that's Brad Ebert on the wing. Um, you well look through deserved. the side, and, yeah, look, that's well-deserved, and you look through a lot of the positions, and it's actually a pretty solid team. But I'm just really, really bitter that Jeremy Howe from Collingwood has been named on the halfback pocket. On sorry, in the back pocket. Um, what? <laughs> he's actually had a really good year. Oh. He's he's taken more. I think he's got more intercept disposals than any other player in the league. So yeah. he's probably doing his job. Um, Do you reckon better than any Port Adelaide defender? Uh, Hompshire's missed a few games, so. He's sort of scratched, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably prefer Jonas, but as I've said before, Jonas is never going to get in an um, All-Australian team because he's just no. not fashionable enough to be that sort of player. The one that I'm thinking, I would replace Tom Mitchell with uh, Ollie Wines. I think Ollie Wines has definitely had a better season than Tom Mitchell, despite the fact that Tom Mitchell um, picks up 35 touches every week. Yeah, look, I'd probably agree that that's um, a fair call. Uh I don't know. Clayton Oliver, he's look. He's pretty explosive. It's hard to say he should be someone not in it. But he, you know, I think he's probably the most borderline of those bench players. It's Clayton Oliver from Melbourne, Trent Cochran from Richmond, Marcus Bontempelli from the Bulldogs, and Tom Mitchell from Hawthorne on the bench. So that's a pretty solid bench. It's not bad. It is a pretty good bench. It's got to be said. Um, has Bonts? Yeah, Bonts has had a really good year. He's probably yeah. unlucky not to be actually on the field, I guess. But. Um... Well, I'm just happy that uh, Ebert's getting some recognition because he has had that good a year. So Absolutely. Uh, and the interesting one, Sam Jacobs is named as the Ruck. Um, when we were talking about who the Australian Ruck would be last week, I don't think he even came up, did he? I think he did, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You're all, he, you're he all go for Grundy. He was in our top four. I was all yeah. on the Grundy train. Oh, uh, yeah. But Jacobs was definitely in the, in the, uh, in the running, for sure. Okay. Fair with, with Mumford and Ryder, I think we, we decided. Okay, good. All right, well, look, we'll move on to the uh, next part. 
um, which is talking about what are they up to, where we basically look at Essendon's last couple of games, which have both been losses. Um, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's a good thing. Uh, round 10, uh, they played Richmond. Richmond kicked 11 goals, 15-81, defeating Essendon 10 goals, 6-66, 15-point loss. Um, Essendon won the hitouts by about 50%, but it didn't really change their clearance figures, and I, I think that's fairly standard for them with Bell Chambers in. Uh, Denny kicked three goals, got over two. They just didn't have enough forward potency to go with it. I mean, they kicked 66 points for the match, and when you do that, um, you're usually not doing all that well. Um I mean, did you see any of this game at all, Macca? I didn't see any of that game, no. That's one I didn't get to see, unfortunately. But um, I guess it just sort of sums Essendon up in that uh, they are quite inconsistent. Um, I think their best is good enough. Um, you know, they beat Geelong, which is, uh, which is their best yeah. for the season for sure. Uh, but they're also very capable of being off. You know, they lost to Melbourne, they lost to Carlton, they lost to Collingwood. And they're, they're probably three games they shouldn't have lost. Um, the Richmond one, yeah, look, I would have thought Essendon might have beat Richmond, but um, I've got something against Richmond, so I'm not too sure if that's clouding my judgment or not. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I was in the same boat in that I think I think most of Australia is just waiting for Richmond to fall over, um, really. If Richmond falls over, then everyone will go, yeah, saw it coming. But, you know, it could be one of those things where maybe they don't fall over until quite late. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. maybe Essendon are getting a bit tired. Like, we know that half their yeah. list missed last year. Um, they do look like they're sort of starting to taper off a little bit. Maybe they're sort of pretty keen for that buy to come around. Um, and maybe that might be where we get an advantage this week as well. Yeah, I guess. But that could also mean that we're going to tire out later in the year because we've had our buy so early. So who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, I've had a couple of comments on Spreaker Chat already, which is good. Um, Pair FC True Believer, who I haven't seen on the chat before. I said, a defence-first attitude is vital this weekend, which, oh, yeah, I guess. I think probably forward pressure thing is probably better. If we look through the record of Essendon this year, they sort of have lost games because the opposition just kept the ball in their um, in their defence, in Essendon's defence, and just kept going and going, and they haven't been able to clear it. So that's probably the important part, but we've been doing that well recent weeks, so that's probably okay. And Ryan Pillar uh, has said that if you shut down Merritt, you shut down Essendon. He is their drive and their length through the middle and wings. Without him, their transition from defence is shot. Yeah, look, absolutely. Merritt has been in everything this year. Um, he's right up there for all sorts of statistical categories, and he's just a huge influence in the game for them. Um, he's a good he's the... player, but he does play behind the ball a fair bit. Um, he does, he does. And he, I think he's only had something like um, you know, 13% of his possessions in the forward half of the ground or something like that, but... Okay. Um, so he is, he is very much that sort of uh, Nick Stevensy type, um, you know, look for the sort of back pocket kick. He's probably taken over sort of Brent Stanton's kind of spot in the side, but he's a much better player than Stanton was. Um, and he yeah, is getting yeah. a hell of a lot of the footy. Um, I, I, maybe I'm underselling him a bit there because he is pretty good. He might be. Um, I just feel like he gets a lot of his touches uh, in less than hurtful positions. Look, that's... Oh, gosh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yes, I, I guess you're probably right, but then part of that is because I think part of Essendon's main floor is that they're, they're, um, they're playing randable like we were, say, last year and the year before when they're going forward. Like, they don't have a lot of system going forward. So that usually results in a higher claim account, which is one of the things that they've got quite um, high on. Um, and that probably goes across all their players. But anyway, that's that might be a coaching thing. We'll get to that. So he's gone from uh, five inside 50s last year to three and a half this year. And he's also sort of um, gone from two rebounds to three and a half rebounds a game this year as well. So I feel like he's playing that sort of spot behind the, the play a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, is fair pro- which probably makes sense now that Heppel and, and Watson are back in the team and, and taking mm. up some pure midfield spots. Um, so he's able to sort of uh, control what comes out of the back line a little bit. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, and I guess last week, uh, it was a bit of a shootout game. Uh, GWS defeating Essendon uh, 117 points to 110, 16-point loss. Um, this was an interesting one because the GWS only were one scoring shot better. It's just they were a bit more accurate. Um, did you see any of this game at all, Macca? I did see bits and pieces of it. Um, mm. That was a pretty good game. Uh, and I felt like it's interesting. probably should have uh, maybe got the job done against GWS, but... 
again, it looked like they sort of tired a little bit as the game wore on. Um, yeah. Oh look, I mean, I've watched I've watched a fair part of it, um, and uh, I, I don't I don't agree with you. I think that Essendon they had a lot of things go their way. Um, like they had some like in the first quarter, I think that Danaher had a weird mark, and he sort of just shanked the kick, and it went straight to a guy who could mark where there was no way he was trying to do that. Um, and they were just yeah, and then kicking goals from outside fifty or just on the fifty from a hand pass, like they're not you know it's good to get them you need to get them in any decent side but they're pretty reliant on that sort of play um they don't mark a lot inside the 50 and you can see why when dan has kind of their key forward they're playing that very empty forward line um and they're trying to run into it uh all the time so it makes a very interesting sort of game a lot very they're very slingshot i think but um in the end i think gws just had that little bit extra class and they've been winning a lot of close ones lately and there's probably something in that so um yeah, interesting, interesting. So I guess now we've just got to look at, you know, looking at the recent form for Essendon, coming off two losses. Uh, what do we think about them? You know, are, are they primed to sort of get back to their home turf at Eddie Head Stadium and uh, give us a, a going over? Or what do we think about the, the form for them leading to this game and what we've done to sides with similar form in recent times? Yeah, look, as I said, they're, they're very inconsistent. Their best can be absolutely fantastic and, and lightning. Um, their worst is uh, pretty deplorable, and they they kind of switch between the two on a regular basis. And you never know which Essendon's going to turn up, and that's what worries me the most here. I think is that um, on paper, on paper, I think I like Essendon's team a lot more than reality. Like yeah. I look at their their team on paper and I think, God, they've got a really good midfield. They've got a strong forward line. Um, they've got defenders in pretty good form. Um, you know, why shouldn't they be considered a, a really good 50-50 chance for this game? But then, in reality, they're probably not performing as they should. Yeah, I think you might be kind of overselling them a bit. Like, at the top, I think they're one of these teams that at the top level, they're pretty good. Like, they're, they're really solid. But when you get down to, like, that 16th player to 22nd player in their team, it's a bit, yeah, they're okay. They've got... <laughs> Got some okay players. players are as good as anybody else. Absolutely, yeah, I'd agree with that, and I think that might be part of where our perception that they're a really good team's coming from, and they're doing a lot of the work. Really, um, the young guys are coming along, but I think I think we're probably a couple of drafts of um, good early pick players for Essendon to really sort of become one of those uh, proper threatening sides. But there's no reason why that is. Like you said, they are inconsistent, and inconsistent means occasionally performing uh, above your level as well as below it. So. Uh, we, we could be caught out if we don't position right. Yeah. Uh, um, going through a couple of the stats, Essendon are the third most clangorish side in the league. Uh, Adelaide's the most and Richmond's the second most. But uh, balancing that, Adelaide is the second in the league for clearances and Essendon are 13th. Usually clearance um, winning sides are the ones that have high in clangers. So Essendon, that's a bit of an inconsistency there. Um, their defence is being constantly affected by the opposition. They're the first in the league for rebounding from 50 but they're also the first in the league for inside 50s against, and they have the sixth most goals scored against. It just is constantly going into their uh, defence. And look, I mean, understandably, um, that's part of, uh, I guess, Zach Merritt getting that, getting that match ball in defence might be part of what you're talking about, Macca, in that the ball's there so often, so that's where Zach Merritt is. Um, yeah. But also, you know, I mean, Hurley's pretty good. Goddard's good when he's back there. Um, McGrath's been playing a bit defensive. Uh, you know, Bagley's all right. Uh, there's a few good players there that, um, you know, they're in a decent unit. And when they're supported by the midfield, which is really what's pretty much happening, mm. um, they're okay. But then that starts the going forward and they have to slingshot like we're used to. Um, I feel like they just play stereotypical John Worsfold football. Like, yeah. Um, they they, they use, overuse the ball quite a bit. Um, and it does remind me a lot of what West Coast used to do back in the day. But West Coast were really, really good at it. Um, Essendon uh, are struggling to put that sort of style of game together at the moment, and maybe that's where their sort of bottom six on their in their team sort of lets them down a little bit. Um, but yeah, when, when it comes together, they can look really, really good. That's the thing. I think they're third overall in disposals in the league, so they do get mm. a hell of a lot of the ball. A lot of it's in- uncontested too, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we should be talking about a Wusher game plan, though. I mean, they're one key forward, sure, for that, aren't they? Like, Wusher usually played two. Uh, oh, I reckon. What? Oh, Lynch, Lynch and Hanson. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh, qual- okay, quality. Let's <laughs> quality. They've got Joe Danaher, yeah. they've got Kyle Hooker, who's played forward all year, and they've got uh, James oh, yeah, Stewart playing as well. So. Well, James Stewart's just been picked up for free from GWS, and Kyle Hooker's mostly a defender. So I, 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 I know what you're saying, but that's like saying we've got really good key forwards because Jackson Trango's playing forward and he's roving a few goals every third game. So <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 that's what I'm saying is that he's usually the good, good worst field sides have had decent key forwards that maybe not the most amazing, but they're pluggers. He's had a pretty good oh, okay. Well, maybe I am. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. He'll punish us if he's good. And if he's not, then he won't. <laughs> um, the forward line I've just been critical of them but the reality is they're doing pretty well for the limited supply they get um, the league, they're 13th for inside 50s the SMN side but uh, they're 8th for marks inside 50s and 6th for total goals scored so they're yeah. making the most of the opportunities they get they are running they are getting a lot of goals from sort of midfielder half forward types as opposed to your key positions Joe Danner is really the main one there though yeah, well, as you keep saying he's a wonderful player and Fantasia's great with that slingshot yeah. as well because he's he, he can crumb yeah. goals, but he's also a really good mark on the lead as well. So uh, he's the type of player that can sort of bolt back towards goal, uh, quickly change direction and, and take a mark inside 50. Uh, so he's certainly one that we've got to look out for. Yeah, look, absolutely. And then there's a few that we need to look out for, but it's just about team effort. Like if we, if we match up on them, then we've got the quality in most of the, not the one-on-ones, but most of the contests we should be able to win, I would have thought. Um yeah, and uh, they've only been smashed once this year. That's probably part of it. Uh, the, their relative success compared to I mean, because I think they I think they've actually overperformed a little bit this year, Macca. But you obviously disagree. I don't know. Um, I thought they would make the finals, so that's what I'm basing it off. I thought they'll come yeah. out really firing and, and wanting to make a bit of a statement this year. And I guess they're not too far off. They're only a game out of the eight, but um, I, I just don't feel like they've um, played as smoothly as they would have hoped. Um, as you said, their, their midfield concedes the fourth most clearances in the league, and they mm. really struggle at the stoppages, and that's where we should get a huge advantage this week. Um, but that's such a staggering stat because you would think a midfield of Merritt, Goddard, Heppel, Watson, Zaharakis, and Parrish, and uh, and Kelly as well. You, that's on paper. That's a bloody good midfield group. Yeah, on paper, they yeah. Be, they should be winning their fair share of the ball. Uh, especially in contested uh, situations, but they just don't. Look, absolutely. Um, and look, in the off-season, I mean, I was one that thought that Essendon had an interesting advantage coming into the season of knowing all the qualities of their list, but um, either they didn't do enough for that information or they just didn't have the quality there that uh, maybe we thought they did. Well, maybe, as you, um, I think you said earlier, that they're tiring a little bit um, after a year of no real fitness regime, which is possible, absolutely possible. Uh, I don't know. It's just it not all coming together yet. It, it might be one of those things where it comes together in the second half of the year. Um, it's the equivalent situation to when you, like we've seen it the last two years, when you bring in a big-name player in the first part of the year, maybe they have one good game and they struggle a bit, but then they start coming into their own in the second half. Um, I think it could be that sort of situation that you see quite often when you get a, a, a new team or a team starting to settle with a, a radically different structure um, to yeah. what it was the year before. Um, look, I don't know. Yeah. As we know, they beat Geelong, um, which, yeah, which was exactly. their best win for the year, and they thrash West Coast as well. So they can certainly beat decent teams when they put their mind to it. Uh, again, which worries me this week. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, Ryan Pillar on Super Chat has chimed in and he says, uh, we should really smack them. They played hard footy last week and they'll be tired hanging for that bye. They definitely ran a lot last week. There's no doubt about that. Um, so the legs might be a bit uh, sore, um, but Eddie had's made for running, so I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Ah, all right. Well, look. I mean, I guess unless there's something else uh, generally you want to talk about, we can move on to this week's changes for the the game against the Bombers. So, um, just the one, uh, and it's not like for like. Is Chad Wingard in? Aaron Young out. Chaddy, um, welcome back. Yeah. Now look, it's back. great. After last week, it is great to add another midfielder to our side. Um, I think it's something that I think that would be hard to argue that we didn't probably need one. And Chad, Chad is obviously he's a fantastic midfielder. Chad is um, and Aaron Young's been indifferent, but I don't know. Like, did, is adding another midfielder at the expense of a forward is that a win? Does that mean that Brendan Archie gets exiled to the forward line again? Um, what, what does it mean? Uh, like a... Possibly, yeah, it, it possibly does. Maybe Wingard will play forward this week. You reckon? Uh, it's very possible. 
oh, I don't know, I would have thought he'd have a really good shot of ripping it up against Essendon. Mm. Well, I think that as well, but, I mean, it is quite possible. As you said, maybe Archie will sort of spend most of his time in that sort of youngy half-forward flank role, which would be a little bit disappointing, but, um, yeah, he's performed well in that sort of role in the past, and, and hopefully he can do it again. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. Um, and just when I went through the team list, um, when they named it all in the field, seeing uh, Sam Palpeffer named to go up against uh, McGrath, that's that's pretty interesting. I'd love to see that in the game. That's big. That's big. <laughs> that, that would be great. And that is that is likely a matchup that it's, could actually happen as well. It is it is possible, isn't it? But I, I kind of feel, I don't think it will happen because I think that they'll want McGrath being a little bit more creative uh, and playing it against Sam Palpeffer in a... In a accountable role, I don't think that would suit him as well as it would suit Sam. Yeah, it's very possible McGraw will play that sort of loose role down back. Um, if he is to play on someone, I would think... Oh, maybe even Sam Gray would be a good match-up for McGraw. Oh, yeah, actually, that'd be really good for them. Shit. <laughs> yeah, actually, oh, God. Yeah, okay, that's probably the one we'll see then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's not much that Sam Gray does that he couldn't match, is there? No, no, not really. Except for experience, and that's kind of... Anyway. That's it. Oh, well. Um, and uh, just a other interesting note, the emergencies this week, uh, it's really up and down from my perspective. Um, cool. Jake Need, Willem Drew, and Jesse Palmer. Uh, who, who, who would Jake Need replace in our side right now? Sam Gray. <laughs> Sam Gray is probably the only player that Jake Need could replace in the side. Yeah, right. I, it's that's really a strange one. Um, the other interesting one is Willem Drew, uh, and it kind of ties into why I'm trying to be positive about Tumpa staying in the side. Uh, first of all, I think Willem Drew. I don't think he'll get picked, and I think the reason he's been picked for this game is because his cousin plays for Essendon, um, <laughs> and it's and, it, and it's a trip to Melbourne. Uh, Dick Gleeson, Martin Gleeson. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they're both from Croydon and yada, yada, yada. So I think that might be the reason why he is one of the emergencies, and he'll probably be the travelling one. Um, but generally, I'm coming to terms with the idea that Tumpus is in the side, which will mean that Atlee and Drew will be primary midfielders, potentially, if that's happening. And yeah. then when the inevitable drop comes, then they'll have had some SNFL midfield experience to come in with, so that might actually be a good thing, mm. for, for a weird reason. It's, I'm, <laughs> I'm really happy that he's uh, part of the emergency group. Because it shows that he's close. Yeah. He has played really good footy the last three or four weeks. So that's great. Um, look, did he deserve a game ahead of Jimmy Tumpus? That's the big question here. Well, for me, I kind of feel like if you say, if you'd said Wingard for Tumpus, okay, and then you do your shuffling there, and then you say Drew for Young, because I reckon Drew could almost do what Young does. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Mm. He could play on a forward flank. I like him more on a wing. That's why I think... Oh, um, yeah, yeah. That's why I think uh, if Drew's going to come in, it's going to be at the expense of Tumpus for sure. Uh, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but sort but look, of a shuffly way. Are you happy that Tumpus is still in the side this week? No, I'm not. I don't see the point. Um, <laughs> look, I really don't see the point. And it's just a matter of waiting, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of waiting for the game when he gets exposed and they go, oh, okay. He's a good player because this is this is part of the thing where the clubs makes a big deal about and they have for years now. It's not new about you know if you've got to do the hard work and if you do the hard work then you know that's the main thing we're looking for at Port. But that's great when you're bottom yeah. side, but when you're at the top level, like you've got to acknowledge that there's more to making a premiership team than hard work. It's yeah. really important. It's hugely important. But at the end of the day, you've got to have exceptional qualities to really do that and Tumpus is lacking more of them than a lot of players on our list um, probably a fair call it's got to be said yeah. Yeah. yeah we've got Ryan chiming in saying he reckons it was a perfect chance to blood out Leo Drew this week um, I'd probably agree uh, Craig Jones has yeah. said he would have played Palmer and put Pittard on the wing which yeah I'd, I'd be alright with that um, yeah I'd be okay with that at Eddie had for sure I'm still keen to really see what Palmer's got in him. Like, he's, yeah. he's played exceptional football at SANFL all year. Like, he's regularly getting 30-2, and two, which is great. He just needs a chance. Um, maybe he'll get. Maybe we're just waiting for next week against Brisbane, um, and we might be able to sort of put in one or two players and, and see how they go. 
Um, maybe not. I'm not sure. But at some point, yeah, I, I feel there's going to be quite a bit... Because of our lack of injuries this year, I feel there's going to be probably four or five guys at the end of the year going, geez, I really felt like I could have got some more game time than what I actually did. Well, that's good because that means what we is have is thing. tradable players. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it means. That's how you get tradable players. It's <clears throat> players that say, I reckon I could get a better go somewhere else. Um, so that's not always a bad thing. Um, Dylan has said he would have played Marshall for reasons, which I agree. Um, but there's only one player who replaces, and it's a player that there's no way Ken Hinkley's going to drop, and that's um, Justin Westoff, um, yeah. who who we still talk about as being a forward, but the reality is he spends a hell of a lot of time in the back half. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There we are. That's what we've got oh, going look, on. Yeah. We know that's not going to happen. Probably won't happen no. this year, but no, no, no. I can't wait to see him play because his, uh, his highlights on the weekend were pretty impressive. Yeah, I haven't seen them. I did see uh, Atlee's, though. They look pretty good. Um, did you see about... Drew's highlights? No, I didn't see Drew's. No. Oh, look! Look up Drew's highlights on the website. They are. I will. You will. You'll be a puddle. You'll be. I a shall. Do... <laughs> I shall do that after the podcast. Atley, though, it was interesting to see that he's playing well at that level, but he's still got. I still prefer Atley's disposal in terms of the choices he makes when he kicks than when he handballs. Like the handballs yeah. he did, they were good, but then there was sort of someone that was kind of really under the pump, uh, and there might have been a better option. But the kicks, he's really good at kicking. I would love him to focus heavily on that as part of his game. Yeah, he's really sure. got the good eye for that. Maybe it's because he's got a bit more time than he doesn't. I don't know. But that's when you see him really good. Uh, all right. And opposition. Let's move along. Uh, only one change for them. James Kelly is in for Brent Stanton, who, as you said, Macca, Zach Merritt has replaced, really. so Pretty much. Um, I feel yeah. like this is probably the end of Brent Stanton, to be honest. Um, he's had a good go. He's had a pretty good career. Let's, let's face it. He has. He's played 250-odd games, so... He has had a very good career. I just feel like maybe he should have moved on at some point uh, a couple of years ago. But, um, you know, he's 31. I would say this is likely his last season. You'd have to think so. Yeah. Um, Whereas yeah. James Kelly, he just keeps going and going. Oh, doesn't he? It's ridiculous. Hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, and just uh, section by section, Rux. Uh, Bell Chambers, he's okay. He's, I mean, he's, okay, he's all right. Rux for them. Just all right. Uh, He's, he's played three games this year, and he's had no fewer than 33 hit-outs, so he's not a total scrub. Um, obviously, he's not the first choice behind Lewenberger. Uh, I don't know. Look, there's a lot of... We've been able to say this a lot this year. He's another player that I think that he might match or beat Ryder on quantity of, possession, on quantity of uh, hit-out, but he won't beat him on quality. Yeah, probably not. Bill Chambers is a bit more of a leaper as well, so that should be okay. a really good match-up. Um, hmm, and it's one that I'm a little bit concerned about because Ryder, um, yeah, it could be one where Essendon get a tiny bit of an advantage this week, maybe, but um, yeah. hopefully not because I, I really do think that Ryder is really crucial to this win. I think he's pretty important for us, but I think that across the ground pressure is more important than Ryder because Essendon have been falling down from that more than from good ruck work. Yeah. Um, even when they've been winning ruck, it hasn't necessarily indicated that they're going to win clearances in the past. So it maybe, maybe it might be that Bell James is more of a negator. Is that what you're saying? Quite possibly, yeah. Mm. Um, all right, and moving into midfield, uh, Zach Merritt. You've already had a crack at Zach Merritt today, Macca, but uh, I don't know. Do you think he's something that we should uh, have to watch out for? Or what are your thoughts on how we oh, course, uh, match up on course, Zach Merritt? Of course, because he's just Who? one of the best accumulators in the league. Um, Who I just with? feel like he doesn't get uh, quality disposal in dangerous positions. That's all. I feel like he's a the perfect link man. Um, and you know he's going to be good for 30 touches. Um, it's, whether the question is that we try and put someone on him or whether there's more dangerous players in that midfield, um, that's the question that needs to be answered, really. Yeah, well, you'd have to think. I mean, obviously... The number one for me is Dyson Heppel. Like, he is just their best midfielder. Um, I, I'm pretty comfortable with that one. Uh, and he th- I think he's the sort of player that will trouble us. So it'll be interesting to see what we do with him. I think he'll, I think he'll just get opposed directly as opposed to having someone being super accountable on him. But uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts there? Well, this backs it up. On the AFL website, Zach Merritt gets 26% of his disposal in the forward half. So he does okay. a lot of work behind the ball which is fine. Yeah. That's great. A lot of players do that. 
Um, but I well, think that's why I feel like, I don't know, well, maybe we well, can let him get his 30 touches and put all our sort of uh, concentration on stopping the likes of Heppel and stopping the likes of Zaharakis, who have been in uh, really good form as well. Maka, while you're looking it up, could you tell me where Heppel gets most of his position to, please? I certainly can, and I'm just going to stall for a little bit while I find his name on this list here. Sure, sure, because I kind of feel like we've already discussed that they've had the ball in their forward line so much, I think you're going to find every midfielder has got a huge amount of time in their back half. Yeah, he's got 42%. Yeah, right, and so Heffel's not an offensive midfielder, Um, so there's a huge team-based sway there, I would say, probably for all your mids, so if you go Goddard, he won't be much better, he won't be any better, he'll probably be more... Well, no, because he traditionally does play behind the ball. Yeah, exactly, Uh, and so if you go through all of their mids... You know, I reckon you'll see a lot of them have got a lot in the back half because that's where the ball's been. So, But I do agree. Of all of them, he probably is the one that is in defence the most this year. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Cool. Yeah, look, Dyson Heppel, he's the one that uh, I think we should be putting a lot of concentration on because he is, yeah. as you said, he's their best midfielder. He's their best clearance winner. Uh, he's the most dangerous. He uses the ball well. Uh, he can kick goals. He can sneak forward. Um, he's a bloody good player. And it's it's great to see him back playing footy again. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, now I kind of feel like the side is probably a bit vulnerable in outside class. Um, they're running full pelt to sort of deal with the situation in the side, which is they have to basically cover the length of the ground every time they get the ball in defence. Yeah. Um, and I feel that that exposes them for quality of disposal, um, and certainly the fact that they only have really one genuinely reliable marking target up forward in Danaher. I think probably robs them of a bit of uh, class there as well. I don't know. What do you think there? I, th- I feel like that's probably their weakness for us, and I think that's probably the area where our defence can get the most advantage. The outside run? Yeah, I yeah, reckon. Yeah, I feel you, you're probably right. Zaharakis uh, had a pretty poor start to the year, but his last four weeks have been really, really good. Yeah. Um, and we know that he's a, a great kick, and he can be really, really dangerous when he gets his hands on the ball. Um, Parrish is one that... Um, yeah, he's he's probably gone under the radar a little bit. I feel like he's um, he's playing he's a better a year than what... I think he's having a better year than what uh, people give him credit for, I reckon. Well, I mean, he, he's a bit outside, and outside players, when your team have got the ball in defence all the time, you don't necessarily look so good. So, um, again, I think that's probably symptomatic of the whole team um, as much as anything. But, yeah, I, he has still been inconsistent throughout the year as well. Like, he's had some really good weeks, and a couple that have just been indifferent. Yeah, but um, outside of that, like Connor McKenna, meh, yeah, yeah. meh. Yeah, yeah. Travis Collier, like he's done some damage to us in the past. He's a he can be a reasonable player. He's got good pace, um, good skills. All right, moving on to the forwards. Uh, so look at the moment. I'd say that Joe Danaher is pretty. He's pretty much my favourite player in the league. Uh, I'm not saying that he is the best player in the league, um, or even the best forward in the league. But you sort of. He's got so much to his game that I think that in three years, if he has a really good forwards coach, he could easily be the best player in the league full stop. Um, he's got a huge potential, huge potential. That's a big call, but it's a good call, I reckon. Um, there was an interesting discussion that I saw somewhere else, which was, is Joe Danaher likely to be the next 100-goal goal kicker? Ooh, Okay. Uh, I think a few things need to happen for that to be the case, and that is that the Essendon need to get really good outside mids. Yeah. Um, I guess with McGrath, they're hoping that he'll be one. Um, but that's probably a few years away. Uh, but then again, so is Joe Danaher's best form, so I think that's probably fair. Yeah. Um, he he reminds me a bit of, an, of a Hipwood from Brisbane, um, in that he's got a lot of athleticism and he's making stuff up on the fly a lot at the moment. But if he gets to the point where the Essendon midfield is reliably, you know, contest winning and getting it forward, and he gets a forwards coach that focuses on him making sure he is extremely good at leading and all that stuff in a more formulaic manner, then adding that to his bag of tricks he's been showing off most of the time, um, he's the complete package. He's got height, he's got strength enough and agility yep. enough, that right combination of those two. Uh, he's got endurance uh, and he's um, got talent, you know. That's ex- everything you want in a key forward. He's got a huge amount of talent. He's got these massive arms. He's got like yep. just about unbeatable reach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. key forward in the competition, which makes him super dangerous to play against. Mm. Um, mm. But he is a bit enigmatic at the moment still. Like he kicked one goal six, I think, against Collingwood or Melbourne. Yeah. Um, but then he's kicked something like 17 goals two since then. So um, when he's in good form, he's an absolute cracker. And... Uh, 
Look, I think um, in a couple of years' time, when he hits that sort of 20, you know, 24, 25-year-old mark, when Essendon start to get a little bit better and replace some of the older players and, and get some better outside running, I think mm. there's every chance mm. he might um, crack the ton. Because I think he's the type of player that, in future, he's going to be getting his six or seven scoring shots a game, which makes him bloody dangerous. Look, I mean, I generally agree, I've got to say. that It seems really likely to me. Um, he's just been doing... He's he's got a lot of he's got a lot of opportunity and he's got a lot of talent so um yeah mm, mm, so yeah. who do we play on him who's the best matchup for him you think look it's it's just gonna be Cleary because he's our best tall defender in my opinion for that sort of one on one job he's been getting the big defenders all year a big forwards all year sorry yeah but see Jonas did a cracking job on Tom Lynch who's about the same size different sort of player though um, he's a bit more bulky than what Danaher is obviously yeah. but look I, I would be happy with either Cleary or Jonas to go to Danaher, even Hops, to be honest. I'd be happy with either of them. I think um, it's who goes to some of their other forwards, which will be interesting. Kyle Hooker, I think you've, as I said, I reckon you've undersold a little bit this year. He's kicked 18 yeah. goals this year, which isn't too bad. Like He's heading that's, towards yeah. a 35 to 40 goal season. For a second forward, that's, uh, that's pretty good. And James yeah, Stewart, he's got height. He's got uh, talent as well. Um, just needs a chance to put it together. Uh, which he should get long-term at uh, Essendon, you would think. Uh, but again, he's 196 centimetres. Um, kicked three goals against Geelong. Uh, so he can be dangerous on his day as well. Yeah, look, I mean, there's no doubt that if we let Essendon settle when they're approaching the 50, that we could be in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Um, so it's really about rushing their ability to do that. And the way they've been playing lately, I mean, that should be happening automatically without us doing a whole lot to force it. Yeah. Um, the other one is, the, uh, before sorry. we move on from the forwards, yep. the other one is uh, Fantasia, who really is yeah. a bloody good small forward. Like He's he's, um, really well. he's come from the clouds. Like I'm not sure anyone really expected him to become as good as what he's become over the last couple of years. But um, outside of bets, he's probably the best pure small forward in the game. I think he's probably one of these guys that really likes the open field as well. Like There's a lot of guys like that. And um, Essendon's forward line has a lot of space in it to, to move in. So, you know, when you got that, there are small forwards that benefit from that, and then there are some that don't. Um, he's obviously one that obviously one that does. Dylan on the Spreaker chat reckons Todd Marshall's going to kick 100, which uh, that'd be nice. That'd be real nice. That'd be happen? very nice. It'll just be spread over three or four seasons. But <laughs> <it'll> be... <laughs> <laughs> no, he, look, Todd Marshall and Joe Danaher are pretty similar, to be honest. Oh, no, but okay. He reminds I mean, yes. me a lot of a young Joe Danaher. Think of Joe Danaher when he started. And yeah. There's, there's quite he's, a lot of similarities bit, there. He's a bit shorter. He's just like a little bit shorter and a little bit narrower and a little bit less most things. I think he's probably a little bit faster though. So I think that, like, I think yeah. he's probably faster on the lead. So that might work to his advantage um, over Joe. Who Joe, I mean, Joe does get caught in contests a bit, so. He does. Mm, mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, and moving on to their defence, um, the big question for me, who's going to take Dixon? It's a very good question. And I don't feel like Michael Hurley is in most people's All-Australian team at this point. I would think he's had an absolute ripping season, but I don't think he's the best matcher. I reckon they'll go Hartley. Okay. Because he's got the height. He's 198 centimetres. He's had a pretty decent year as well. Okay. He's got the height to go with Dixon. He's got the reach to go with Dixon. Uh, I reckon they'll prefer Hurley to play on uh, someone else. That, look, I reckon if I was Essendon, I'd be putting Hurley on Trengove because I don't reckon Trengove's going to be able to go with him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, Hurley's got better pace. He's going to be able to zone off. Um, look, he's averaging something like 23 touches a game for you know, a guy that's playing out of uh, key defence. Uh, it's pretty extraordinary numbers. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I, I probably agree. I kind of feel like if you had Hurley on Dixon, it would look a bit like um, Dixon versus Gibson last week in that, um, you know, still good, still a very good defender, but just when your midfield's not on top, it's still hard to win those one-on-ones when you're giving away height and strength and everything uh, and the ball's coming straight to them. Yeah, I um, think Hurley would do a much better job than an out-of-form Gibson, oh. but I also think um, you, you're kind of wasting Hurley by putting him on Dis- Dixon, I think. And so if, if you're Essen and you want his run, and you want his sort of rebounding ability, um, and you're not going to get that with Dixon because he's going to be, um, he's going to have to be too conscious of him, and he's going to have to play too tight. No, that's fair. Um, who do you reckon gets the match up on Robbie Gray? It's a tough one. Usually, Mark Bagley sort of uh, does mm. that sort of role. 
Like, I think he's played on Wingard in the past when Wingard's been sort of stationed up forward. So I would assume that if Robbie's playing in the forward 50 again, that uh, he'll go to him, I would think. Uh, they probably don't really have another super good option. <laughs> um, Gleason's probably not quick enough or agile enough, I don't reckon, to, to play on Robbie Gray. Um, so I reckon it's either got to be Bagley, or uh, if if he's getting done, it might even be the new boy McGrath. Okay, because for me, I kind of feel like if Robbie's getting on top early, it might even be Hurley. Um, yeah, well, that's an option. That That is an option. Mm. Yep. Mm. Definitely. Um, Spreaky chat. Jimmy and Chain wants to contradict you on your Hartley uh, thought. He says that Hartley played on Hawkins and Kennedy, but they both kicked four on him. Um, yeah. 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 I'm happy for Hartley to play on Dixon. <laughs> As I said. <laughs> As I said, I don't, I don't reckon they'll play Hurley on Dixon, but yeah. I could be wrong. I've been wrong many, many times before. So Yeah, and, and the other thing that's important to remember about that is that um, Nissan and Beach are along on the West Coast, so yeah, yeah it, it's better for the team. If, if it's better for the team, then that's what you do. Yeah. So, mm. um, yeah, all right. Well, look, moving on to the game in general, I guess, unless there's someone else in their defence you want to talk about. Um, first of all, talk about not. the coach. No, no I, don't, I don't think so, not particularly. Um, the coach, uh, John Westfold has been around for a long time. His career record against Port is six wins with 13 losses, and he's lost both times he's come up against a Hinkley coach, Port Adelaide. Should we be concerned about him at all? Well, on those figures, probably not, but those figures surprise me quite a lot, it's got to be yeah. said. We beat West Coast pretty regularly um, over in Perth when he was starting off. Yeah, um, we did. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. we did. I don't know, it's one of those things. Like We just seem to play really well against his West Coast sides, even though they were much better than us a lot of the time. Yeah, um, yeah, just one of those things, I guess. Yeah, okay. So we're not really worried about that perspective. Um, and I don't. I don't like... think Worsfold's going to be able to come up with any match-winning moves on the fly. Like we're we're going to know pretty early if we're going to win or if we're going to lose. I reckon. Yeah, and look, I mean, the reality is, like we've just talked about how you know their top twelve players are really good, but beyond that, they're just sort of throwing dirt around. Um, there's not there's not a lot of changes that he even can make. Like you can be a brilliant coach, but if you just don't have the cattle, then it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, I think, probably, I think that's probably where they're at right now. Um, yep. Combined with Worsfold not having a good record against us, I think he's probably not a real threat. Um, psychological advantage. Look, for me, I kind of feel Port are always a chance against Essendon any time. Any, you know, they talk about how in showdowns, oh, you know, anyone can win a showdown. It's like, yeah, but I feel like anyone can. I think the Port can beat Essendon. I have more confidence of Port beating Essendon than of Port being Adelaide in any, in any given year, um, regardless of where we play. We've got a good record against them, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, look, we, we seem to play Docklands pretty well as well. I think we've won six of yeah. the last ten games there. So <laughs> That's you know, a new one, though, because we lost there regularly before <laughs> that. Oh, yeah, I reckon we lost about <laughs> ten games in a row before that. But And, and of um, course, the first one at uh, Docklands against Essendon as well, which uh, one way yeah. of bringing it up. <laughs> yeah, don't bring that up. That was awful. Um, <laughs> that, that 2000 was season was an absolute stinker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, look, it's a surprise that this is our first game in actual Melbourne. So at this point in the season, yeah, is, uh, it's a bit it's unusual, bit of a surprise. But um, yeah, look, I, I would think, yeah, I don't, I don't, I would hope that we have the psychological advantage because we're playing better footy, quite simply. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say about that. Fair enough. All right. Well, guess what we're up to? Macca's questions from Big oh, Footy. Oh yes, question time. I like Took question a while. time. We've been talking a lot about football today. How strange. We have. That's it. Mm. Eddie Dingle was asked, uh, if we have more guns than Essendon, that guarantees us the win, right? No. No, it doesn't. No, that's no. the old one, isn't it? The team of champions, the champion team. Um, yeah. I guess, that's, I guess that's kind of what we're seeing. Then we talked about their top champions, but I think that our team is probably better. Yeah. Uh, us against the rest. Uh, when will Palmer get a run of three or four games so we can see where he's really at? Uh, <laughs> if we have a lot of injuries... Or if our season takes a dramatic downturn. So so probably not. Yeah. I don't know. I think, to be honest, he's just about next man in. Yeah, but who for? Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we've, got, we've, like, we've got to have... <laughs> Look, if, if, honestly, if, if Tum- like, we've got no faith in Tumpus sort of holding up any sort of form. That's nah, that's pretty clear. Not under pressure. Not under pressure. Uh, Cheese probably still 50-50. Like, he's, he's had a good, yeah. good three games. He's done enough but... so far, for sure. Traditionally, he's you know there might be a six disposal game 
coming around the corner. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Palmer's probably the next man in. So if either of those two sort of falter, I think Palmer's going to get his chance, and he certainly deserves it. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess what we've seen is a trend of the players that have sort of been coming in for the most part. It has been it has been guys that have had a shot in the chat in the past, but they just haven't had a huge shot. Um, so I guess for them, that reasoning, I mean, Palmer might be ahead of a Drew or an Atley because um, yep. we have seen him in the side a bit, so... Uh, Mission Possible, is this the most pivotal game of the season for us? I don't think so. No. I reckon it is. Because I reckon this is the first sort of... Like, we've either played bottom teams or we've played, you know, top teams. This is probably oh, okay. our first, first game coming up against... Yeah. A, a kind of a 50-50 around the sort of same spot on the ladder as we are... Um, that's why I think this is definitely the biggest must-win game that we've had uh, for the season for us. Because if we lose this, it's not it's not going to be a good look. Uh, there's going to be a lot more questions coming out if we lose this one. For me, it's probably going to be looking at the fixture. I'm going to probably say round 17, Port versus North Melbourne in Adelaide. Um, I think that'll be the one. Um, yeah. I think that, if I'm going to pick one, that'll probably be it. Um, but I could just as easily say Collingwood versus Port at the MCG. Or Port versus Richmond at Adelaide Oval, but you know, don't know, don't know. Yeah. We've got a few. We've got. A, like, I think you're right that we played the best and the worst so far. So we've got a bunch of middling ones, and that'll. I mean, this is where I will actually work out how good a team we are in the next what, yeah, eight weeks. For sure, it'll tell us everything we need to know. So, um, yeah, we should win we this. Go. We should, but it's certainly no guarantee at all. Oh God, no. no. <laughs> uh, Big Daddy is asked: In our present form, are we capable of beating GWS Cats or the Crows in an away final? I feel like we're a big midfielder short of saying yes, for sure. Yeah. I think that, you know, with injuries <clears throat> happening and, you know, people being in and out of form, then I think there's a chance, you know, we're close-ish to a coin flip. But as far yeah. as being reasonably confident, I think I think we legitimately are either a, a an Archie genuine revelation or an Atley in away, yeah. really. Or a Palmer genuine revelation away. I'm going to say GWS, yes, we are capable. I'm going to say Cats, definitely not. Especially if that final is played at uh, Cadinia Park. Yeah. And the Crows, well, that's going to be 50-50, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I, I, it, it's, uh, for me, it's the midfield that we need to work on because that's been behind a lot of our losses this year is yeah. that we've been beating in midfield. So we need to get another, another big one. And that's the thing about Drew I like about um, him is a potential coming in as opposed to Atley is that Drew can play a little bit more outside and he is still you know he's pretty tall I think he's like 188 centimetres or something so that puts yep. him at the taller end of our mids um, so if he could come in and perform even you know close to an SPP form which is a big ask but if he could like, that'd be huge for us yeah for sure uh, Janus has asked or he wants to know what the best tactic for the opposition to combat our game plan is is it to sacrifice a defender or midfielder to force weakness in our defence by adding another forward to their attack, or dropping another player into our forward line to draw that plus one out? I definitely think that you frustrate us by annoying our forward line. Yeah. Um, because we are, like, we we allocate a lot of our assets towards the defence, so you need to really mess with our forward line for us to change that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, look, I mean, I feel like any any side that's really dependent on one tall forward... You beat them pretty much the same way, and it's all about controlling the supply going forward. Um, and that's been the case for you know millennia, really. Yeah. So if you if you if they overload the back half of the centre square of that between the back of the centre square and the the fifty, like that sort of area, if they always make sure they've got a lot of traffic there, um, then that's always going to be a hassle for us to get through. Mm. Um, yeah, really a frustrating forward line for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Pommy Power wants. Uh... Jacko to take Hoff's role as the floater or the ruck, like second ruck, um, and Todd or Eddie to come in as the forward. Uh, look, um, Jacko is not better than Westhoff at being Westhoff. That's that's what that comes down to. So, I look, I'd love to see Marshall in. Um, but if he's insisting that someone has to play the, the Westhoff role, I mean, there's your problem. 
Um, yeah. Because West, Westhoff is absolutely is the best at playing the Westhoff role, which is undefined and inconsistent, but he's the best at playing it. And yeah. Trinko, I mean, he, he likes a lot of the attributes that Westhoff has for playing that role. And if it's a role that we've determined is essential, then he's the only player that's going to be playing it in our side. So um, I just don't think that combination of moves works. <clears throat> yeah, I'd agree with that. I think if uh, if Hoff falls out of the side, we don't really need to replace his role. Because no. I think his role is undefined and probably... Um, they, they give him a pretty sort of long leash to do what he sort of wants out there. I kind of feel like the Westhoff role robs us off a key forward, a second forward, pretty much. Yeah, probably. So, <clears throat> uh, us against the rest. Last question: uh, If Ryder has to miss a game or two, what is Ken's plan B? Ken's plan B is Tringove and Westhoff in ruck. Pray, I think, is his uh, plan B. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I like it if his plan B was before that happens, Blood Frampton. Um, but That'd be that's, good. But that's that's not what Ken's going to do. So that's probably plan D. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not not high, not high on the no. list, unfortunately. No, probably not. Um, and it's one of those things that you have to do in advance of the trouble. So because if you do it, if you wait for the things to go disastrously wrong before you do it, then you really you screwed yourself. So yeah. Mm. That's it, my friend. That's all the questions. Alrighty, okay, well let's move on to the final wrap. Um, I will just comment on one thing that I just saw here on the Spreaker chat, which is that Craig Jones has said if Robbie has another quiet game this week, he should be rested. Yep. I don't, I don't reckon that's too controversial, I reckon that's about right. No, um, I would think so, if he has another sort of 10 touch, one goal game, um, yeah, maybe yeah. Giving, a, giving him another week on the sideline would be good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anyway, the final wrap. Who's your winning side, what's your margin, and who's your highest goal kicker for Port Adelaide? Oh, I would love to pick us by a big margin because I've, I would love for nothing more than for us to win this by 10 goals and just really put them to the sword. But I'm going to say Port by four points in a thriller. And we're going to kick a goal with, uh, I reckon, 15 seconds left to win us the game. Highest goal kicker. I'm going to say Robbie with three. I'm going to say he's going to have a good game this week. Okay. Um, look, I mean, I kind of... Feel, look, I, I think this might be one of our smaller wins for the year. It might even be the smallest one. I'm going to tip probably about 35-point win. Um, an interesting stat, which we didn't mention yet, uh, which is that last week is the first time that Essendon have scored 100 points in a game and lost. And mm. when they've scored less than 100 points in a game, they've lost all of their games this year. Yeah. Um, so if we, if we That's shut down... That's a good sign for us. It's a good sign for us, particularly with our defence not conceding much. I mean, that's, that kind of says that if you're betting on the head-to-head, for example, like we're pretty... The odds should, the odds you've got to find a way to make those odds a bit better for yourself. Um, yeah, because <laughs> we should win um, at some level, and it's just a matter of how much I reckon. Mm. Um, highest goal for support. I'm going to go Dixon. I just we've already had uh, the little stat about um, Hartley giving away four goals in, against Geelong and West Coast uh, against uh, big forwards, and um, yeah, I don't see any reason why Dixon wouldn't fit into that same category. Um, I guess we'll see. I really would have liked to have had, had Amon in for this game. It's a really shame that he's out for yeah. a month. Um, it is. is exa- it really is. This this flat track is exactly an Amon field for me. Oh, uh, for sure. <clears throat> yep. We might see Impy with though. He does like the flat track too. Um, I want to see a huge game from Impy this week. That would be really good, wouldn't it? Oh, I think he's got it in him to be sort of uh, best on groundy this week. I think that there's not a... I think if... Impy has one of his out of the box games. I don't think they've got a defender that goes with him. So um, no, nah, probably not. Yeah, he might actually might be he might be the guy that uh, Andrew McGrath gets to play on. That'd be, yeah, that'd be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fear factor: which Port player should Essendon be most concerned about? Big Paddy. It's got to be Paddy this week because Essendon yeah. aren't a strong clearance side. As I said, uh, if Ryder gets the ball to Wines and Ebert, game over. You know, we won't be beaten. Um, if if they can. Bill Chambers can sort of uh, <clears throat> nullify Ryder's influence and, and really stop him from getting clean clearances to our players. Uh, that gives them the best chance of winning. Yeah, um, look for me. If, <laughs> if our selections had been different, I would be saying um, Dan Houston because I feel this is a game where an intercept marker would do really well. Yeah. Um, instead, I'm going to say, I guess, Pittard uh, for the same reason. Actually, Pittard or Homsch, which should I pick? Homsch, I'll pick Homsch. Um, because right. I think that they're going to go forward and I think that we're going to be cutting them off as much as we possibly can. So I'm going to go with Honch for that one. Uh, yeah. He'll be someone that they just don't, you know, he's, he'd be a, probably our third defender. 
uh, in terms of having to be accountable for his opponent, uh, okay. and that'll give him a lot give him a lot of space to work. So I reckon that yep. Cleary and Jonas will have the closer jobs, and he'll get the least close job of the tools. All right. Um, Sounds good. Which Essendon player should Port be most concerned about? And you're not going to say Zach Merritt, obviously, so who would be? <laughs> no, I'm not going to say Zach Merritt. I'm going to say um, Hurley. And whether he takes Dixon or plays on uh, Trengove or Westhoff, I think he really holds the key for them. He's good enough to shut down Dixon if he does play on him, I think. Um, but he's also capable of doing a lot of damage himself, which is why I don't think he'll play on Dixon. I think he'll, uh, he'll run loose a little bit and pick up his you know 10 marks and 25 touches. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I'm going to go with, because uh, I think this is a game that will be won in midfield if Fessenden win it, and I, that's the case, I've got to go for Dyson Happel, for sure. He's just yep. too good, and if he has one of his really good games, then that could be really challenging for us. So uh, mm. I guess we'll see how that goes. Yep. Uh, and you, last of all, or not last of all, you're quite achiever. Who is going to put in the game of high standard this week for Port? And it may not weigh the crowds, but it'll still be pretty damn good. Uh, I'm going to see, uh, say, DBJ. Burn Jones is going to keep Fantasia to under two goals and under ten okay. touches. I reckon, okay. which is a combination that's only happened one other time this year. That's a big call. Oof. Okay. Um, but, 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 but I'm going to say Matty Broadbent because I reckon I reckon he'll have enough time to go with the long kicks that he loves doing. He's got a pretty boom and kick when he has a chance, and I think that uh, he's not the defender that they won't be most aware of being in any sort of uh, creative or counter-attacking role. So, yep. yeah, Broadie for me. Cool. I like uh, that. Hey. Go the Cobra. Yeah, go the Cobra. Oh, yeah, the Cobra. I forgot about that. Um, any other games you're looking forward to this weekend, Macca? Uh The one at the moment's pretty interesting. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Sydney beating the Bulldogs. Didn't expect... I did pick uh, Sydney, but I didn't expect that big a margin. Um, yeah. So that's an interesting one. Um, other games this weekend. I reckon it's kind of similar to last week, where it's just like a big bowl of meh. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, well, for me, an interesting one is um, Adelaide versus St Kilda. Um, we saw St Kilda earlier this year really take it up to GWS, uh, and there's a lot missing from their game, but I just don't know. I just kind of wonder if maybe this is one of the ones that will be an embarrassing home loss for Adelaide <laughs> this year because they are pretty accountable and they have got a fair bit of talent, and they do and they are working really hard. Like That's the one thing you can say about St Kilda this year. Um, it's not always coming off. It's quite often not, but... Um, they're putting in the effort, and that might be enough to sort of put enough pressure on Adelaide. It'll be interesting. I can't we'll see early, early, the Saints winning without Rewalt, to be honest. I don't think he's that important to them in the current setup that they've played. <coughs> the way that they play right now, I don't think he's a really big deal for them. Mm. I think he's off. I think this is his last year. I really I do. I, I'm going to say the Crows by 70 plus. I, well, I mean, that's the safe tip, but I think that uh, it might be a lot closer than that. Um, <clears throat> The one I'm then, having trouble. The one I reckon is going to be a bit closer than people might think might be Hawthorne and Gold Coast. I reckon Gold Coast might get the job done. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there's no reason why not. I mean, we just no, no, because Hawthorne, after last week, like that huge humiliation in the first half, like they're going to go out and they're not going to have anything like that happen next week. Don't know. Don't know. Gold Coast are a pretty decent side, but whether they can do it at the MCG is going to be the question. And the other one is not really a game that I'm looking forward to seeing, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the debut of uh, Brennan Cox, who's uh, one of my favourite draftees from last year for Frio. So, oh, good eye. Uh, it will be good to see him run around. And yeah. also interesting that Josh Shackey signed a two-year deal for Brisbane. I think that was a bad move, but I guess we'll see. Um, I think that in two years' time, he'll command less than he would if he'd moved clubs. But that, that's his problem, not, not anyone else's. So, yeah. we'll see. Well, he's, he's being loyal, which uh, I don't think a lot of people thought was going to happen. So <laughs> I think this is a bit of a surprise that he uh, re-signed. So good on yeah. him. Yeah, and it was interesting to see Jared Berry's already re-signed a, a contract extension, which will be, a, you know, I guess that's good after seeing him cry on draft day and people making a big deal about that. Like, he's pretty obviously pretty happy there. He's getting games, so he's fine. Yeah. Um, just on the other game I think that's worth watching this week, uh, and Brian Pillow, Brian Pillow agrees with me, is Melbourne versus Collingwood. Um I think it's worth watching because I keep waiting for Melbourne to fall over and be exposed, but it hasn't really happened yet. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting. And, of course, um, Callum Brown's playing his first game too while we're talking about debutantes. He's been named for Collingwood, so that'll be interesting to see. Mm. That will be good. That will be good. The father-son pick. Yeah, yeah. Son of Gavin. Um, and he's named on the field, so he's definitely playing. So that's good. Oh, there you go. 
Fantastic. All righty. I'm just quickly through the scrapey chat. Ryan Pillars reckons he's, that uh, Chad's going to get 33 touches and two goals, which I'd love to see. And oh, Robbie Gray's going to get four goals. Uh, Merritt and Razio, we've got to watch out for. Ryan says, you're not much else. All right, let's wrap it up, Macca. We're all good. Good we've, stuff. We've got through it all, and uh, apart from that embarrassing little gaffe, which we'll <laughs> edit over, we should be fine. Indeed. That's it. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Yeah, thank you, everyone, and uh, thank you for listening in live, all the people that decided to do that instead of watching the football, or that did both. It's actually quite possible to do, so if we've got more Thursday night football coming out, give it a go. Yep. Uh, apart from that, can Port Adelaide. Can a pin. Can Port. the running Francis, it's deafening at Footy Park. It's like finals footy oh. at Trevray Marks at half board. He's lifted as well, Trevray. Five marks for him this afternoon to the goal square. Chad Corns is the man of the moment. Can't do it this time. Stewie Jew, right foot, 